The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Dennis Johnson. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Well, this is our last meditation on the ministry of the seven servants called by the early church, the Jerusalem church, to serve the needs of widows. And we're carrying actually the the story beyond Acts chapter 6 and into some other passages. So let me read several passages from Acts 6 and then uh, later on from 8 and 11 and 22 uh, as our meditation, and then we'll reflect on them briefly this morning. Acts 6, beginning at verse 5. And what they, the apostles, said pleased the whole gathering of the believers. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, to grow. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and changed the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Most of the next chapter includes Stephen's speech, powerful witness to Jesus, a powerful indictment of those who have put God's righteous one to death. And we pick up now at 724 through 85, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church 
And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Well, much transpires between that point and chapter 11, verse 19, where we hear again mention of Stephen, 11, 19 through 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution <coughs> that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The, return, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. One more text, Acts 22, the Apostle Paul, having now preached to many Gentile hearers in many places, uh, is now in Jerusalem and mobbed by outraged fellow Jews who believe he's defiled the temple. And in his defense, he says in Acts 22, verse 17, <clears throat> when I had returned to Jerusalem after his conversion uh, outside Damascus Gate, as we sang, when I had returned to Jerusalem was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him, Jesus, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word, they, the crowd, listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth for he should not be allowed to live. With that, we close. Sounds very much like what they said about Stephen years before. Well, we're talking about being scattered as seed. We're talking about dispersion, a bittersweet theme in the Bible. In one sense, it's great to be scattered. When God created at the beginning, he called his people, he called humanity in particular to be fruitful and multiply that combination that we saw also in Acts 6, 7, to grow and multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it. And later on, after the flood, God said the same to Noah. He said that uh, when all the living creatures come out of the ark with Noah, they should swarm on the earth. And about Noah's three sons, we read in Genesis 9, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. But not everybody wanted to be dispersed. And so we read the account of the Tower of Babel, where rebellious people tried to stick together to resist God's design and call to fill the earth and spread over it defying God's directive and making a name for themselves. So the Lord of speech confused their languages and scattered them 
over the face of the earth by his judgment, dispersion, scattering. Of course, many centuries later, God's own people, having been given his good land, defied his covenant, defied his lordship, and as he had said in Deuteronomy 28, he dispersed them. He scattered them out. Bitter, bitter theme, hard theme. So by the time of Jesus and the apostles, dispersion or scattering was the Jewish way to talk about people who lived outside of God's promised land. We read it in John 7:35 and in the intros to James and Peter's first letter as well. Dispersion brought to mind people living far from where they belonged, homeless, exiles, aliens, refugees turned out of their own place by violence from terrorists or by their own government or by famine or other economic hardship, displaced wanderers, actually like the people that fill our news reports every day. Think of Syrian mothers and their children fleeing shell-shocked Aleppo. Think of Iraqis run out of Mosul, their home city, by ISIS trying to make their way across Turkey and the Aegean Sea and into Greece and maybe into Europe someplace. Think of desperate Central American children and young people trying to find a way to get across Mexico and then to come into the border for refuge. Dispersion, scattering, a hard thing. Certainly scattering here, which happens in the aftermath of Stephen's martyrdom, is a painful thing. Notes. Interestingly, it's, it's bitter because, as Luke em emphasizes here, it's actually not the apostles, but others of the church that are scattered outside Jerusalem. No doubt many of them had been from the Jewish dispersion. That's why there were Greek speakers and knew about the need of the Greek-speaking widows. Had landed in Jerusalem, and now they're being dispersed a second time because they belong to Jesus, because actually they have a much, much better citizenship than citizenship in Jerusalem, but it's bitter to be scattered, especially by a persecutor like Saul of Tarsus. And yet, it's sweet. It's sweet because as they're scattered, they're bringing the seed of the word and planting the good news of Jesus in various places. And that's what Luke and the Holy Spirit seem to want to emphasize for us. Wherever they go, they tell the good news of Jesus. Our English Standard Version a couple times talk about, talks about preaching the word or preaching Jesus. But the Greek, you're looking at your Greek, right? Is euangelizomai, it's telling the good news about Jesus. It's telling the good news of the word. And interestingly, the scattering theme comes at the joints between the three main phases of gospel advance that Jesus announced in his farewell address to the apostles in Acts 1. Acts 1.8, you know it well. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And at the, at the seams, at the joints, there's the scattering. Here in Acts 8, after Stephen's faithful witness to death, the church is scattered by persecution into Judea and Samaria. And then in Acts 11, those scattered from the persecution that arose after Stephen's martyrdom, reached Antioch, third greatest city in the Roman Empire, after Rome itself and Alexandria and Egypt, the third most populous and powerful city, and it becomes the launching pad for the gospel to go to the nations. So striking, scattering, 
Suffering produced scattering, sends believers places they wouldn't have chosen to go, but as they do, they go and they speak the word. That's the point that Luke, under the inspiration of the Spirit, makes in Acts 8, 4. Those who were scattered went about telling the good news of the word, and Philip ended up in Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. The Samaritans of all people. Their origin, as you know, is from the division of the kingdom under David's grandson Rehoboam and the northern tribes rebel against the Davidic dynasty. Eventually, of course, Assyria takes them over and intermingles other, other peoples and other pagan religions with faith in the true and living God. And the Samaritan religion is a mishmash and a mess. And Jews tried to avoid contact with Samaritans anytime they could. But now the gospel, the word of God, comes to Samaria through Philip, one of the scattered ones. Peter and John are sent to check out what's going on. They see God bestow his spirit on these believers in Jesus. They can confirm it's the real thing. And, of course, from there, I can't tell you the whole story. Read the book. It's in the book of Acts. Philip next meets a court official from the court of the queen of Ethiopia, or Cush, probably, uh, in Africa. And this court official is a eunuch, which means he could not have become a full convert to Judaism because of his physical condition. Uh, but he's come, he's brought into the kingdom by the grace of God, preached the good news, preached from Isaiah 53 by Philip. And Philip ends up ministering along the coast, and Peter follows in his footsteps, and the next thing you know, the apostle Peter has the privilege of speaking to a Roman army officer and his social network of friends and relations, people that look to Cornelius for advancement. Cornelius said, there's a guy coming from Joppa who's got good news for us. You all want to be here, and they all were, and heard the gospel. And the gospel moved in their hearts and the Holy Spirit drew them to faith. So all because a scattered servant like Philip, who was originally recognized so that he could care for the needs of widows who were going hungry, as he was scattered, like many others, spread the word. And then Acts 11, Antioch, those scattered by the persecution from Stephen, now begin to arrive into that northern Syrian region and First of all, they talk to Jews only, but then some of them from Cyprus and Cyrene, some of those who had come from the Jewish dispersion, apparently to Jerusalem, and now are being scattered back out by persecution, some of them talk to Hellenists. Now we're not talking about a linguistic division here, as we were in Acts 6.1. Now we're talking about an ethnic and religious division. These are full Gentile from pagan, Gentiles from pagan backgrounds, and they're talking to them. And the, the hand of the Lord is with them, and a church is planted, the first recorded Gentile congregation, really, kind of the building on what had happened in Cornelius' home. Uh, and lo and behold, the church dispenses Barnabas, also from the dispersion, by the way, from Cyprus. And Barnabas sees all the good things that are going on, you heard about it, and he says, we need Saul. Saul? Saul the persecutor? Yeah, I left out a little bit of something that you know is going on there in chapters 9 in, uh, in particular. But yes, he comes and brings Saul, and the gospel is now spread even 
further. What's the Holy Spirit speaking through Luke? What's he saying to us? Well, he's saying that God has his ways of moving his word through his people, even through our involuntary movements. To go deliberately in cross-cultural missions is a wonderful thing, but sometimes the Lord surprises us and puts us in different places that we hadn't chosen. And yet, if we belong to Jesus, and the seed has borne fruit and is bearing fruit in our lives, we can carry the good news of the word to others. And the Lord's still doing it. I have two examples. I have no time, so I'm only going to give you one. I could tell you about Bruce David Sandylands, the trader from the British uh, East India Company who was uh, sent into the interior of Borneo in the 19th century to just do business. And Sandylands, a compassionate gospel lay person, every time he came out from the upper Kinabatongan River, would harass the Anglican leaders to say, we need to send evangelists in there. So in the 1990s, as my wife and I were walking up the road from the Kinabatongan River to the Epiphany Church building at the top of the hill, there's this massive sign that says, Lorong Bruce David Sandylands. Lorong means street. That didn't sound Malaysian, so I asked the pastor, and he explained the story. Uh, a layman who saw the gospel need for the interior, sent there on business, but he said, we need to have gospel in there. So now Epiphany Church is the mother church for little congregations all over the jungles of northern Borneo. But I won't tell you about Sandy Lands, because I don't have time. I won't mention that one. Uh, instead, we'll go back to the fourth century. This actually fits the theme a little bit better. Uh, uh, a church historian from the ninth century, Rufinus, tells the story based on the report of one of these two uh, boys, young men, uh, in the fourth century, the time of Athanasius, from Syria, from Antioch, as a matter of fact, who were traveling with their uncle to India through uh, along the Red Sea. No Suez Canal yet, so they had to go overland, but once they got there, they were on the Red Sea. They put in at the port of Aksum, which is now in Ethiopia, and uh, the ship is overrun, the crew is murdered, but these two young boys are spared, Frumentius and Odysseus. If you want to read the, the story in a more recent version, Mark Shaw's book, The Kingdom of God in Africa, tells this story based on the older story. Frumentius and Odysseus, young men taken into the king's court, eventually made the royal archivist and the cupbearer uh, in the, in the uh, king's court uh, a freed by the king, but then the king suddenly dies when his crown prince son is still a minor. So the queen asks Frumentius to be the guardian of Prince Izana until he grows up to take the, th the reign. So Frumentius is appointed regent of the country. He basically runs the country and cares for the young prince. And he the historian from the ninth century said he, he used his position to locate Christian merchants all over Ethiopia in the inland, and he encouraged them to begin churches wherever they went in trade. Businessmen planting churches through the gospel. Finally, the young prince reached adulthood. He did free Frumentius and Odysseus. They actually went back to, to uh, Syria for a time, but Frumentius had such a heart for the people of Ethiopia that uh, on a stop in Alexandria, he pled with what, who was then the bishop 
of Alexandria at that point, Athanasius, and Athanasius commissioned him uh, to be an evangelist back to Ethiopia. Scattered, involuntarily in a sense, but bearing the seed of the gospel. You see, it all began because hungry widows and humble church leaders listened to the need of hungry widows and spirit-filled servants ministered mercy, but also spoke good news boldly wherever the Lord scattered them. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Antioch, the ends of the earth, including places like Aksum and Borneo and Escondido. Wherever God scatters you, speak. Broadcast the word. That is the way he spreads the word through his people. Isaiah says, good news tellers have beautiful feet. The beautiful feet that walked the roads of Judea and Samaria were not the feet that Jesus washed. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But they were beautiful feet because they carried the good news of Christ. All kinds of people. All kinds of people. And the Lord will use us too. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you use even the suffering and the scattering of your church to spread the news of your word. Father, we think of brothers and sisters even now who are displaced from their homes in the Middle East, followers of Jesus who are often the small minority and oppressed minority among the many refugees who are fleeing violence there. Uh, but Father, we pray that you would use them and use us to spread the seed of the good news of Jesus Christ, to plant that seed deep into needy, hungry hearts, to water it by your spirit, and to cause it to bear fruit for eternal life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2016, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.